Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. When I was in high school in the mid-2000s in Brooklyn, I hung out with these girls who were obsessed with gay fan fiction. This is pre-Tumblr, very Web 1.0, and they'd talk about the websites they were on and the stories they were reading. And now I was thinking about them because today's book, Idlewild, features these two teen girls in 2000s New York, similarly obsessed with homosexuality. And in this interview with Hiranez Deepa Fernandez, author James Frankie Thomas says something both enlightening and kind of funny about that era and that obsession that has me, uh, I don't know, let's say looking back curiously. Anyway, that's all after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where hundreds of researchers and clinicians make new discoveries inspired by the work of previous Dana-Farber scientists. See why nothing is as effective against cancer as a relentless succession of breakthroughs. Learn more about their momentum. Go to DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Authors often talk about how writing their books helps them to discover truths about themselves. But we'd argue few have made as major a discovery as James Frankie Thomas. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, Idlewild, Thomas's debut novel, is set in a Quaker high school in lower Manhattan. The book centres around two teenagers, Faye and Nell. Both are shy outsiders. Faye is obsessed with gay men in fiction and in life. Nell is obsessed with Faye and dreams of a relationship with her. The two become friends when 9-11 devastates Lower Manhattan. And for the next 18 months, they're inseparable until betrayals and mistakes drive them apart. The book is Idlewild and James Frankie Thomas joins us from NPR Studios in New York. Welcome. Hi, Deepa. I'm so excited to be here. Why did you decide to set the novel in a Quaker school? Well, for one thing, I've never read a novel set in a Quaker school, have you? Good point. Me either. I love a school story. All of my favorite novels are school stories, and I really wanted to write one of my own. And, uh, you know, for better or for worse, a Quaker school was the only school I ever attended. I was at mine from kindergarten all the way through high school graduation, so I actually probably couldn't write a convincing school story if I tried, Uh unless it were set in a Quaker school. So that makes you a lifer. I think that's how yes. you refer to characters in the book. <laughs> yes, that is the phrase we used. That's the word we used back then for ourselves. We were lifers. Okay, so one of the main themes of the book, friendship, and in particular, the intense friendships that can form in high school. Was that something you drew from your life as well? Yes, I was very fortunate to have wonderful friendships in high school. I actually had more friends than my fictional characters do. I had a lovely little clique of friends. But the conceit of a best friendship between two people that is so close that they almost merge into one person and share a brain uh, is definitely something I experienced in high school. And I think it's such Mm. a special thing that can only happen at that age. And I was really interested in exploring it in fiction. Okay, so let's dive into your characters. Nell is a lesbian and believes she sees in Faye a kindred spirit because of Faye's obsession with gay men. But it seems to me what Faye is experiencing is something very different. Can you explain to us? 
Yes, Faye and Nell are drawn to each other because they are the only two people in their high school, as far as they can tell, who are just very excited about the concept of being gay. Nell is excited about the concept of being gay because she is a lesbian and has a big crush on Faye. Faye is a little bit more complicated to herself as well as to Nell because she herself does not find herself to be attracted to women, which causes a lot of tension and awkwardness and unspoken desires in her friendship with Nell. Um, I set out when I began writing Idlewild. I thought that I was plumbing universal truths about adolescent girlhood. I thought it was my own observation that teen girls are really into looking for homoerotic subtext and writing mm-hmm. gay fan fiction regardless of whether they themselves are gay or straight. And it was really not until it was pointed out to me by literally everybody in my novel writing workshop Uh, It was pointed out to me that actually people who are like Faye are not usually straight girls. They very often grow up to be gay men, gay trans men. This shocked me, but also was true. And so I had to revise the entire novel to approach Faye through that lens instead. And spoiler alert, this also caused me to take a closer look at myself and look at myself through another lens. And that is why I have this beautiful deep voice today. Well, okay, you just ruined the whole rest of my (laughs) planned questions for the interview. You gave it all away, but let's hone in there. So talk a little bit more about that. Well, oh God, I feel so bad that I gave away the reveal. I um, I was 30 years old when I got into the Iowa Writers Workshop, and in my original draft, pretty much just free associating and going on my own memories and really giving myself permission to revisit all the things I had loved in high school, all my favorite gay movies, all my favorite gay fan fiction uh, and fandoms. And it was so confusing because I had really not grown up to be gay, but somehow nothing made me happier than re-immersing myself in all that stuff that I'd loved as a teen. And it was at the Iowa Writers' Workshop that it came to my attention that some gay men can be trans and that there are gay men Mm -hmm. out there who started out as teen girls like I was. Once I learned that, I really couldn't put that toothpaste back in the tube. So James, can I ask you like, What did you do with that information? I mean, here you are in this creative space where you can write a novel and you're you're having these really momentous, deep discoveries about yourself. I think there are many people out there who stumble upon this information and don't do anything with it, at least not right away, who take a really long time to do anything with it. And I was certainly one of those people. I was just too busy to transition. I was writing this novel. I wanted to finish the novel. I was married at the time. I had a whole life that was really predicated on me being a woman. Mm. So I compartmentalized it for a very long time. But By the end of 2020, I had both finished my novel and left my marriage and gotten top surgery. I really sort of got it all done at the same time. And I don't think I could have done one without the other. I could not have transitioned if I hadn't finished the novel. But I don't think I could have finished the novel if I hadn't transitioned. Why do you think it took you being 30 years old, like you went that long in your life, to be able to, was it just the quiet space of being able to be with yourself that allowed you to really be so introspective? Yeah, isn't it funny that it took me three decades to notice this about myself? Because it certainly isn't that I had never heard of trans people. I knew that trans people existed. I knew that trans men existed. I truly didn't believe it had anything to do with me until I met a gay man who was trans. And all it took was meeting one. I just had to meet one. 
And that was all it took. It was like, oh, we're exactly the same. I'm like you and you're mm-hmm. like me. And oh, there are others like you. I then met others. And I think so much of existing in the world is about connecting with people who are like you. And I had simply never met anyone who was quite like me. And once I did, it was all over for me. There was no other path I could take. James, we're in a moment where while there's definitely more acceptance of trans people, there's also so much hostility. I wonder if that has impacted your life and even factored in in that moment when you're in the Iowa's Writer Workshop thinking, gosh, what am I going to have to deal with now that I know who I am? Yes, you know, that's something that has changed very rapidly several times over in the last few years. When I was first coming to realize that I was trans, it seemed at the time, this was circa 2017, 2018, I was very jealous of kids because I thought, oh, it's so much easier for kids these days to have access to trans literature and trans media. It's so much easier for them to know who they are. I wish, I wish I could trade places. Oh, gosh, how many years ago is that? That was really only like five years ago. And now I just have so much pain on behalf of trans kids because they have become so politicized and such a target. They are now exposed. I mean, that came along with the increased visibility of trans people is they became more exposed. And I just feel terrible that I ever thought that they had it better than me because Mm. for a very long time it has been difficult to be a trans child in one way or another. And it is, I'm afraid, going to continue to be difficult for a very long time, though I know we are all trying our very best to protect them as best we can. And I actually do feel in some ways very fortunate that I just tabled the whole question until I was in my 30s, because at least I am an adult who can take myself to the doctor and go to the pharmacy on my own. So where are you in your journey, James, if I can ask? And and has writing this book and now seeing it published, has, has that been part of your journey too? Yes, I feel like writing this book and publishing this book has finally allowed me to graduate from high school in a way. I was so mired in my memories of high school for such a long time. That was the last place I really felt like myself. And I have gotten it out of my system. The book is out there in the world for other people to enjoy. Now I am so ready to write something about adults. I'm ready to write something about Mm. gay men who have their own apartments and their own Mm. finances and perhaps their own sex lives. I'm just so excited to start looking at adulthood uh, from the perspective that I enjoy occupying in my adulthood. It's it's great to be here, but uh, it is a little intimidating to have to start over, having been working on this same book now for six years. Well, it is out in the world. It is called Idle Wild. We're talking with James Frankie Thomas, author of Idle Wild. Thank you so much for, for really sharing with us so personally. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Deepa. It was a pleasure. I hope people enjoy the book. That's it for this week on NPR's Book of the Day. Let us know what you think. You can write to us at bookoftheday at npr.org. I do read them. I'm Andrew Limbong. The podcast is produced by Isabella Gomez-Sarmiento and Ashley Montgomery and edited by Megan Sullivan. Our founding editor is Petra Mayer. The show elements for this week were produced and edited by Maj Al-Wahidi, Barry Gordimer, Rena Advani, Lily Rose, Martin Patience, Ed McNulty, Timby Ermias, Mallory Yu, Olivia Hampton, Lonzi Karana, Fernando Naro Roman, Shannon Rhodes, and Emiko Tamagawa. Beth Donovan is our managing editor. Thanks for listening.
In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with their original podcast, Choiceology. Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast.